Chapel of the Harbor. Join with us now as Pastor Joe concludes his two-part message in the book of Proverbs, chapter 22. Throughout the Proverbs, the Lord does not speak uh, very well of the lazy person. So here's another one. A lazy man says, there's a lion outside. I shall be slain in the streets. He has an excuse for everything. There's a, there's a lion outside. It gives you the picture. It, you know, basically, he doesn't want to go to work because uh, he's using the excuse, well, there's a lion outside. I might you know, get slain in the streets. Uh, you know, he's using, so it's, it's kind of a humorous thing, just kind of saying a lazy man will use any excuse to get out of work, to get out of doing what he should be doing. And you notice that. You know, someone that, that uh, has a problem you know, working and they're lazy, they, they've got more excuses. I mean, a million excuses. Just they come up with the, the craziest thing. And then sometimes I've known people, you know, in the past running the corporation and stuff. There were some people would come in and they'd have, you know, I would love them just to come to work just so I can hear these, these bizarre excuses, you know. I mean, they would come up with it. And then they would get better and better. I'm like, wow, man. I had one, this, one, this one guy is... You know, he didn't show up. I tried to get a hold of him for a few days and finally got a hold of him. And he says, you know, my mother passed away. And I was like, oh, man, I am so sorry. I said, take as much time as you need. You know, just, you know, don't even think about it. Call us when you, you know, take as much time as you have to, you know. And then, like, six months later, his mother died again. And then I thought, well, he probably, maybe he's a stepmother. You know, there's got to be, a, you know, so I didn't want to, you know, challenge him with that. I just says, oh, so your mother died. And I says, what about, you know, this is the first time she died? <laughs> no, I didn't say that. <laughs> she died three or four times. Kid you not, at least three times. And finally, the last time I had to sit him down and say, what is going on? But those excuses... A lazy man. There's a lion outside. I shall be slain in the streets. Lord, help us not to make excuses for the things he's called us to do. We can laugh at those, you know, the the extreme, but I mean, if we take this verse and take it to heart, I'm sure every one of us have used an excuse, you know, why we won't do what we're called to do, why we won't maybe do what God wants us to do. And we say, oh God, what... I can't. Or what about this? When God calls us to do something, he'll equip us to do it. What are you called to do? Whatever it is, don't make excuses. Just do it. Do what the Lord has called you to do. It's an exhortation for all of us. Let's not, let's not be you know, slothful when it comes to the things of the Lord. And let's not be slothful. You know, with this verse, I just want to add also that in our workplace or what we do, you know, let us, you know, Lord, help us to be the best example that will, will shine. The Bible says that let your light so shine before men that they'll see your good works and they'll glorify your Father which is in heaven. 
Lord, help us to be those that would just shine in whatever he's called us to do. Whatever, you know, in your workplace, in your ministry, where, whatever he's called you to do. And you might take this verse and say, okay, Lord, I, I guess I'm lazy in this area. Or I guess I, I've, I've failed in that area. Or I guess I've, I haven't, you know, been that example in, in, in this area, Lord. So help me. The mouth of an immoral woman is a deep pit. He who is abhorred by the Lord will fall there. We've looked at the immoral woman in chapter 2 of Proverbs. She's a deep pit. She's, she'll take you down to hell, basically. And the frightening thing is, if, if you're not walking with the Lord, you'll fall in that pit, and it's a warning. Look out for the immoral woman. Immoral woman. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of correction will drive it far from him. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. If you have kids, you might say amen to that. I don't know. But uh, the importance of discipline for children. And it makes it clear, foolishness is bound up in their heart, that children are born in sin. The Bible tells us that. You know, it's a concept that when I became a Christian, I started reading the Bible. It's like, wow, okay. You know, because... The world tells us something different. But the Bible tells us very clearly that we are born in sin. And you hear people, you know, you know, argue with that and say, what do you mean? You're born with sin? Yeah, the Bible teaches we're born in sin. We, we, we have a sinful nature. You typically don't have to teach a little child to say, no, mine, and, you know, all that kind of stuff. You know, there, you know there's that sinful nature in a child, and the rod of correction will drive it out. Discipline, you know, the importance of, of discipline. Notice the rod of correction will drive it out, uh, meaning like a, a paddle or a switch. And you know, there's people that say, oh, I would never, you know, uh, discipline my child in that way. Well, some children don't need to be disciplined in that way. You just tell them what to do and, and they do. I remember my dad had a switch on the fireplace and I, I hated that thing. Did you ever get, when you were a kid, did you get hit by it with a switch? That was probably one of the worst things, the sting, when it, and you put it up on the fireplace. And I remember being a little kid looking at that thing, like, you know, I was afraid to go in the room. I'd be like, I'd stare at that thing the whole time. And it, tell you, it worked. It took foolishness out, because when I looked at that, I thought, I would think, you know, I'm not going to do something foolish today, because I don't want that. I've been noticing more and more kids are cutting themselves lately. I mean, constantly I'm hearing about this child cut himself, that child cut himself, this child. And there's a thing going on. I don't know if it's been around for years, but I'm hearing about it more and more and more where, you know, these kids are just, they're taking things, they're, they're, they're putting cuts on their arms, on their faces, on their backs, on their side. They're doing damage. They're afflicting themselves. And I wonder, I, I, I think, you know, this is my thoughts through this, you know, thinking about the correction, the rod, the Bible. And, and I wonder, could it be a, a lack of discipline for the child? Could it, could it possibly be that they're not receiving the, the discipline that they, that they need? Because typically, you know, not typically, most definitely, God has given us a conscience to know right from wrong. And, and when we do something wrong, there's, there's a guilt that comes with that. I would remember, you know, growing up and I'd have a guilt of doing something. I'd do something wrong. I'd walk around the house. My dad used to call me poker face because, you know, I knew, if I've done something wrong, you could see it all over my face. I'd be like, and he'd say, what'd you do? Nothing. I mean, it just, it was a dead giveaway because of the guilt. I had such guilt. 
But when I was corrected, then the guilt was taken away. It was like, okay, there was punished for that. The guilt was taken away. I was able to have fellowship with the family. I could walk around. I didn't have to worry about it. It was taken care of. The, you know, I was corrected. And discipline drives out foolishness. But when a person's not disciplined and it keeps growing and growing and growing, and the, and the, the parents, uh, many times, they, you know, they're, they're both working. They don't have time for the children. They drop them off here, drop them off there. And they don't, they don't even spend time. They don't even know what the children are doing. And I think it's possible because some of these children I've, I've, I've heard about, where they're, they're not even being corrected. And I wonder if they're, they're inflicting this punishment on themselves because that, you know, they know that they're wrong and they're inflicting it. They're like, you know, I was wrong. And they're, they're inflicting punishment to themselves because they, they know that they have such guilt and they're trying to drive that guilt away. Just my theory, I don't know. But I'll tell you what, it's such a sad thing to see. It's happening. Now, I'm hearing about it all the time. I don't know if you guys are hearing about it. And you get people that say, well... You know, that's cruel, you know, a rod. And it's not talking about beating your children. That's not even it at all. It's loving correction. It's sitting down with your child and say, okay, do you know that you just, you know, you took something that wasn't yours. That's called stealing. This is wrong. That's called lying. That is wrong. And the loving correction and then, you know, a spanking just to say, you know, this is wrong. And, you know, there's a punishment for that. But the good thing with the Christian and with the, the, the children that are raised up in the ways of the Lord and trained up in the ways of the Lord, and you can go even one huge step farther to say, not only is it wrong, but Jesus Christ died for that. And I'm sure there's times where you say, well, you know, you deserve to get spanked right now, but guess what? You know, do you understand what you've done? Yeah. Do you understand you're wrong? Yeah. Do you believe, you know, you know Jesus died for that. And, and it, it, you know, he took the penalty for you. He took, the, he took your guilt. He took your shame. And just go and let's pray now. Let's give it to the Lord. The guilt is gone. The shame is gone. Powerful verse. Never correct a child because you want to vent. Because you're, you're so upset. You're like, I can't wait to get to that child. Yeah, that's not, you shouldn't do that. It's not for your venting. It's not for you to get out your frustrations. It's because you love God. You love your child and you want to raise and train that child in the ways of God. And it's a wonderful thing. And foolishness is taken out. He who oppresses the poor to increase his riches and he who gives to the rich will surely come to poverty. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? The first part's very understandable, but then the second part is like, and he who gives to the rich will surely come to property. Understand if you oppress the poor to increase riches, that's wrong. But he who gives to the rich, it's, I think what it's saying is there's people that give to the rich for favor. They want to give them gifts, uh, those that are wealthy, so they can get on their good side. And if it's something that's like that, and it's, you know, it's not going to work. You're, you'll come to property. Incline your ear and hear the words of the wise and apply your heart to my knowledge. For it is a pleasant thing if you keep them within you. Let them all be fixed upon your lips so that your trust may be in the Lord. I have instructed you today, even you. There's a, a shift going on. I don't know if you noticed. Uh, we've been looking at verse by verse. There's The complete thought is in each verse, but this you know, and it's going to stay like this for a while where it's going to be multiple verses uh, with a complete thought. So here we are, verses 17 through 19, talking about trusting the Lord. 
exhorting us to trust the Lord by hearing his word like we're doing tonight, applying what we've heard tonight, keeping those things. I love how Solomon put this. He says, I've instructed you today, even you. What does that make that personal or what? In other words, Solomon's saying, I've just instructed you. These are my truths from God. Take heed to these truths. Apply these truths. Understand them. Have I not written to you excellent things of counsel and knowledge that I may make you know the certainty of the words of truth that you may answer words of truth to those who send to you? Wow. Solomon's saying, I'm giving you excellent things. I'm giving you counsel and knowledge, not just for yourself, but when those that are sent to you, those that that come to you and they're asking questions, that you'll have words of knowledge, you'll have understanding, you'll be able to speak to them. How frustrating it is when somebody comes to you and and they ask you questions and you're like, um, I, I don't know. It's so much better when we have an answer or if we don't have an answer, we say, well, you know what? That's an awesome question. Let me, let me find out an answer for you. I just had an opportunity the other day. Someone was doing some work here and, and he was asking me questions. He was asking me spiritual questions and I, I love that. And basically, you know, he told me, well, you know, I just, you know, believe we just do our best, Right? And he was serious. He, he, you know, wanted to know. So we just do our best. And then we, you know, that's all we can do. And, you know, try every day. And, and that's all, right? And I said, well, no. And I explained, you know, God's way. I said, well, this is what the Bible says. And I talked to him about repentance and turning and, and turning the Lord, giving our life to the Lord. And he's like, oh, man. And I said, well, you know, do you understand that? Yeah, I know. And basically, he wasn't ready to repent. He, he understood it. He, he knew what it, you know. He, so he heard the truth, but he wasn't ready. He didn't, he didn't want to turn. But he heard the truth. And the interesting thing was, I, you know, when I was talking with him, he believed it. He knows exactly you need to repent. I said, do you understand? That? All, all, our job is just to make sure they understand. And that's it. And I, do you understand, right? You're a sinner, right? Sin keeps you from God. Yeah, you understand. You need to repent, though. You know, he's, I pray every day. Yeah, that's good. Pray every day is good. But have you repented of your sin, turned from your sin, and accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Well, I know, I know, I know. I need to do that. <laughs> it's like, how about today? You can't force them. I, you know, but, you know, I would love to have forced them. Say, well, let's just pray. But, you know, he has a free will. God's given him a free will. How about today? And he's like, well, no. But the good thing was is, is there was an answer. And Solomon, inspired by the Holy Spirit, saying, you know what, this is great stuff here. It's not just for you, it's for those that are sent to you. Do not rob the poor because he is poor, nor oppress the afflicted at the gate, for the Lord will plead their cause and plunder the soul of those who plunder them. Throughout the Bible, we're told that God looks out for the poor. There's those that take advantage of the poor because they're not able to, you know, pay for court costs or an attorney and all that kind of stuff. So they take, there's companies that take advantage of the poor. 
There's banks that, you know, gouge and do stuff like that. So God says, don't do that. You know, the gate, where it talks about the gate, most of you know this, but, you know, back then, that's where, you know, basically court was held. The elders would be at the gate, the king would be at the gate, and then, you know, they would try the cases there at the, at the gate. So, you know, don't rob the poor, don't afflict those that are oppressed, those that are having a hard time. Don't take advantage of these that are poor and needy because God will plead their cause. God will be there. Make no friendship with an angry man and with a furious man do not go lest you learn his ways and set a snare for your soul. Wow. An angry man. Choose your friends, your close friends wisely because bad habits you know, could rub off on you or you know, their sinful ways could become your sinful ways. So especially an angry person. You notice that it says, lest you learn his ways. And it's a trap for your soul. I remember a Christian woman that I knew many years ago. She worked at a place that uh, cussing and swearing was going on in her workplace constantly. And, and she worked there for years. And, and she would ask for prayer because when she got upset, then she started swearing. And started, it's like she walked with the Lord for many years, but, but because she kept hearing this garbage, this garbage, and it's constantly going on, you know, it rubbed off on her, and she was doing that. It's like, really? We need to be careful, you know, the, the friends we hang out with, the people we hang out with, because, you know, you'll become like them. We know that. You hang out with certain people, you become, you know, the way that they are, and we need to... So the exhortation, especially, especially an angry man or a person that's... Uh, has a temper, gets upset, you know, don't hang out with them. Verse 26, do not be one of those who shake hands in a pledge, one of those who is surety for debts, if you have nothing with which to pay. Why should he take away your bed from under you? A surety is being a co-signer, so don't be a co-signer or don't you know, promise to, to pay somebody's debt. If you don't have the money or the means to pay their debt. That's something that's throughout the Proverbs we've been seeing that. You know, basically, don't be surety for someone if you cannot afford it. But uh, then it gives you a great visual where uh, you may lose your bed even. You know, you're gonna, you'll lose everything, basically. So why do that? Think before you, you start signing the paper or even you know, loaning money to somebody that uh, if you don't expect to get it back, that's fine, but it, you know, if you can afford to do that, that's, that's fine. But don't just you know, pray about that, basically, before you do. Verse 28. Do not remove the ancient landmark which your father has set. Your fathers have set. You remember when the children of Israel went into the promised land. Remember they divided out the land. They divided out the property. They, they gave it, you know, as an inheritance. And the family would get so much property. And they were to put landmarks up. They were to put markers up to show, you know, this is your property. And that's your property. And this is your property. So in the law, it states in Deuteronomy 19 and I believe Deuteronomy 27, it says don't remove those markers. Because, I mean, how easy it would be. Because typically, I think they would use like big stones and they'd mark it out and stuff with these large stones. But, you know, I'm sure there was some that at nighttime, everybody's sleeping. They'd go out, you know, their property. They wanted to have, you know, your neighbor wants more property. So they take the stones and they, they move the stones. And it's against the law. It's against their law. And basically for us today, I don't, you know, I don't know. It's not so easy to 
you know, to take somebody's property, I don't think. But I think for us, it's don't cheat somebody when they're not looking. Just because, you know, they're, you think they're not going to find out. So just a warning, not to cheat somebody. And last verse, verse 29. Do you see a man who excels in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before unknown men. Or that word unknown is obscure men. Do you see a man who excels? He'll stand before kings. Someone that's a hard worker, someone that's diligent. They're going to be promoted. They're going to, you know, they're going to stand before kings even because they excel in what they do. Spiritually. I look at this and I just think of in a spiritual way. It's an exhortation, I believe, for us to be faithful. We looked at, I believe it was two weeks ago, who can find a faithful man? When we stand before the Lord, and we're closing with this, but think of this with me. Think through this with me, please. One day, you and I, we're all going to stand before the Lord. I don't think it's going to be very far off in the future. We're going to be standing before our maker. And it's not, I don't believe he's going to look at how much we did. He's, he's not going to be impressed like we did all this or I did all that. But I truly believe, as you know, it talks about in Matthew 25, that he's going to, you know, before, when we stand before him, it's going to be about being faithful at whatever God's called you to. Were you faithful with the little things? Were you faithful with, with what the Lord called you to do? Were, were you faithful with whatever it is, where, wherever he's called you, in your workplace, in your ministry, wherever the Lord has called you? Have you, have you, been, have you been faithful to what the Lord has called you to do? Because you know the parable as Jesus was talking. I want to read it to you as we close out. He's talking about the parable of the good servant. He says that he'll say, his Lord will say to him, well done. And we know this part. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. But he goes on to say, you've been faithful over a few things. And he says, and I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Matthew 25, verse 23. As we look at this, we're going to stand. As it says, standing before kings, we're going to stand before the king of kings. I don't know about you, but I want to hear that. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. And I believe there's such an attack on the church. I believe there's such an attack on each individual to to get that person off of what God has called you to do. No matter what it is. I'm not talking about, you know, all of us. And please understand this part. I don't think everyone's called for full-time ministry. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about being the mother that God has called you to be to your children, being the, you know, the faithful co-worker or, or wherever God, the businessman that you're supposed to be and all those different areas that God has placed you. But that faithfulness to be a good and faithful at whatever the Lord has called you to do. And again, that attack is so severe because I see it constantly where people just, they're, they're sidelined. They're sitting over here. And I'm like, what is going on? And the attack, I believe, also is, you know, the grass is always greener over there. It's like, oh, wow. you know, they get involved and God's opened a door for a person. And it's like, well, as soon as they go, you know, and the Lord opens that door, then it's like the grass is greener over here. The grass is greener over here. And I just want to do my best to encourage all of us. Let's be faithful. It's whatever the Lord has called us to do. Let's put our hand to the plow. Let's not look back. Let's be faithful. Who can find a faithful man? Who can find a faithful woman? Who can find that? That's the, the question. That's what the Lord asks. Who can find that person? 
I want it to be me. I want it to be you. I want us to be able to encourage each other until the end for those things that God has called us to do. It doesn't have to be a big thing. It doesn't have to be a huge thing. But whatever it is, God has called each one of us to be faithful to it. And I just want to encourage you. Please stay with it. Keep your hand on that plow. Excel in that work. And you will stand and I will stand before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And hopefully, again, he'll say, Well done, thy good and faithful, faithful servant. the throne of mercy. It's the sound of our singing praise. It's the sound of our singing praise. You have been listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettit outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. We'd like to extend an invitation to visit us here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Our address is 16450 Pacific Coast Highway in Huntington Beach, California, 92649. We're located in Peter's Landing Marina in Huntington Harbor. Our service times are Tuesday evenings at 7 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory. It's become the throne of mercy. It's the sound of our and praise. It's the sound of our